welcome back to After the Kids Go Down. I'm Eileen Sonu. And I'm Bona Lou. I don't know if you can tell, I still have like a little bit of like a cold lingering. Actually, it wasn't, I don't think it was a cold. I'm pretty sure it was the flu. I never got tested, but mm-hmm. I hadn't felt so sick like that in so long. Like you had a fever uh, for like four or five days? Yeah. So the fever lasted so long. Um, and then coincidentally, our family had planned this trip to New York um, over mm-hmm. President's Day weekend. But How many days was it? It was Thursday to Sunday. But from Sunday to the day we left, I felt so just like on and off like fever and chills and mm. um, just like I couldn't get out of bed. I slept like the most I've ever slept, but I was still really tired the whole time. But fortunately, like Thursday morning when we were leaving or Thursday afternoon, I did feel better and my fever broke, but I was still just mm-hmm. like in this cloud. Like my head felt like I was floating. It was like floating off my body for from we were there Thursday oh, no. and Friday. I felt like I was floating Saturday. I felt a little bit better, um, but it wasn't until Sunday, the day that we left to come back home to Atlanta mm-hmm. that I was like, I feel great. <laughs> So anyways, but I was thinking about that too, because the last couple trips that we've taken, I need to pack a week in advance. That's when I start packing. I don't know how you pack for trips. Um, Not like that. That's always the goal. Um, Do you like write anything down? Andrew does. I I don't. Um, I've gotten a little bit better. I used to pack the night before, which would be really bad because then I'd be up packing and lose sleep before a trip. Mm -hmm. I've gotten a little bit better to where I pack maybe like one day before, Mm -hmm. but um, Andrew's always the one with the list. So I pack the kids stuff and my stuff and then anything for the family, like for Mm -hmm. me and him. And then he packs all of his stuff and then all of the electronics and technological stuff that we need, like the cables and cords. and Yeah. Stan and I, we have a pretty decent like tag team thing about that. Like I'll, I will do the kids stuff, but he does like, yeah, all the electronic things and he takes care of the, like all the documents and all that stuff. I sent you this, um, little like Instagram, like those reels, like a reel. But it was, you know how me and you joked before about like when we, the time that we went on a trip together, me and you, like mm-hmm. two of our brains equals like three fourths of like a guy's brain <laughs> or whatever. Well, well, for us, we're talking, we're talking about like, cause in your relationship and in mm-hmm. my relationship, when we travel, like they, Andrew and Stan tend to take care of a lot of the tra- the logistical travel stuff. Yes. Yeah. So the- for you and I to have to suddenly be in the main piloting seat, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was like, we, we didn't crash the plane, but we were, <laughs> we were trying really uh, yeah. hard to I will fly semi straight. Right. I will say, I feel like I was relying on you. Do, do you feel like at any point you were relying on me? I don't think so. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was burdening or like I was taking on, I, I felt like it was pretty equal. Oh, okay. Like when well, I couldn't good. find the hotel key and stuff and you would have one. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt like that was you oh, okay. watching out for us, you know. <laughs> but also our trip, it was to my hometown. That's true. So that's I true, did yeah. feel a little bit like, okay, you know, I, 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 I wanted to, you know, like I wanted yeah. to make it easier for you and more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was an overnight to bonus hometown, Athens, Georgia. Um, but the reel that I sent you was, it was just like this woman who was like, my brain 
every brain cell turns off or something like that when mm-hmm. when I'm out with my man or something like that. And the guy mm-hmm. is like thinking like, okay, that's the exit over there. You know, there's like that person looks a little suspicious and blah, blah, yes. blah. And then she's in her head. It's like, la, 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 la. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I sent that to Stan too. And I was like, because he always notices. I just like... I'll think about all that I need to up until the point that we're walking. And sometimes I'll just look around and be like, I don't know where I am right now. Like I'm just uh, blindly following um, wherever you he know, goes. Was it, was this you or another friend? Somebody told me that they're also like this, like mm-hmm. you and I. And so they'll on purpose plan trips to go on just on their own so that they can keep those skills, those independent skills oh. sharpened. Oh, okay. Well, let's do that. <laughs> okay, okay it must not it. have been you. Because I mean, it's definitely not no, no, me. That's funny. I'm like, I'll that's extend. just too much effort. I don't want to do it unless I have to do it. I know. I don't care to. Right? It doesn't make a difference to me. But every once in a while, I mean, I think he, Stan thinks it's humorous, but um, every once in a while he's like, can you just like remember where the car is? Like where we parked the car? I'm like, no, I cannot. <laughs> um, but all that to say, I couldn't do my my free, you know, the week before packing because I was just laid out in bed mm. and, um, and it bit me in the butt. I mean, it was like the day before I packed. Um, and I was still in just like such a fog in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but m- most things I had them, but like, I forgot my own pajamas. I forgot just like a bunch of little extra things that I would have mm. remembered. I feel like I forgot mm-hmm. headphones for the the plane. Um, and I also packed like inappropriately, I think for mm-hmm. the weather for myself. So I, I wore see. the same thing like, um, multiple days in a row just because mm. it was the only thing that I had. So it's a lot to think about the kids and yourself though. I, I mean, even when I have time to pack, I've almost walked out. Oh, we had to turn the car around on a road trip because I had oh. forgotten all my panties and bras. Yeah. So I was, I was thinking about all that because just like the mental preparation that I need and like the, you know, it, like thinking through things like thoughtfully or whatever, mm-hmm. that stuff really, really matters to me. Isn't it that you, you like with your house and, and stuff like you also like to bring that same level of like thoughtfulness of like, what do I need? What do yeah. I not need? Yeah, I do. And it, it, part of it is that like, I, I didn't feel cluttered. It was just like, I think if anything, it was cluttered. I felt cluttered in my mind because um, it was just like a fog, like a dense fog inside my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I felt like I couldn't think about anything else. So it did mm-hmm. leave me feeling like just like mildly anxious the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure it had, a lot of it had to do with just being sick. Because you but didn't have a clear head. No, did not have a clear head. No. Um, it felt cluttered or just full of something? Occupied. It felt occupied. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I didn't, I didn't feel present even with like the kids. Um, we had fun. It was a good time. We did um, a couple of the sightseeing, like touristy things or whatever. I mean, I see, I see the link here. Let, what do we, what do we want to talk about today? Because I, I'm starting to see the connecting thread. Me and you, we always wanted to explore the idea of like, I think before we called it minimalism and maximalism, but it's not really that. It was just like our relationship to the stuff like around us. Right. Yeah. Um, We've noticed since since becoming friends that I tend to keep things and save things. And mm -hmm. then you tend to throw things out, organize, clean up. Yeah. A lot more declutter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Our home styles are a little bit different. I think like you've asked me for 
like help before um, just yeah. like decluttering things. And I'm always just like, just throw it away. That's what you do. Just throw it away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you, you would always tell me like, okay, if you want to organize your house or rearrange things, the first thing you need to do is get rid of some stuff. Yeah. So that was always the first step. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it, it is something um, so opposite with us. And I mean, you're not the only friend mm-hmm. that that um you know is good at like decluttering and 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 uh, not keeping um, unnecessary extra stuff around. Mm-hmm. You're probably one of the friends that I have that is on the other end of the spec- spectrum, though, because mm-hmm. I I can't really. I mean, I've been into you know most friends' houses, but it um yeah, I'm I'm not saying that as in like you're like really messy, but the the way that we go about. Our, our perspective and then the way that we go about it, I feel like it, yeah. it is different. Yeah. Uh, but I, I always wonder on to what degree or like what end of the spectrum, I guess I am compared to other people. Um, because I do feel like in some ways this, this weighs on me like pretty often the idea of just like having to get rid of stuff. Like most days I think I'll look around and be like, what can I get rid of? Um, and I think most days, like, I'll make a comment to Stan, like, oh, it feels, like, so messy here, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and his response is always unsatisfactory to me. He cares about this stuff, too, but he'll be like, oh, it's like a sign of life. And I'm like, like, I don't I don't need to see these signs of life. <laughs> you know? like, I, I get it. I get what he's saying. You know, there's all those things about, like, one day you're not going to have these, like, shoes piled up here. Mm-hmm, or like, one mm-hmm. day you're not going to have like these little trinkets and knickknacks everywhere mm-hmm. um, from the kids and stuff. And yes, maybe I will be sad, but right now it still stresses me out. Like I'm looking around mm. right now, it still stresses me out. You know, it was another friend. Um, she came in and it was a friend who'd never been in my house before. And I was apologizing about all the mess and the toys and stuff. And she said the same thing as Stan and said that there were signs of life and it's like a house that's full of warmth and, Mm -hmm. and, and activity and, uh, family, you know? Mm -hmm. And she said that when she walks into a house and it looks pristine, like very, a lot of, yeah, like very sterile and, um, you know, all the surfaces are clean and, you know, the opposite of a, of a, of a house full of life. Right. Mm -hmm. She says she doesn't trust it. It makes her immediately not trust that person. That's funny. <laughs> what about that is untrusting? Oh, oh, I know. What do you think? Well, is it that they're just like hiding their shit? I don't know. I mean, mm. I, I'm not sure either. I don't know because you're right. She's placing some kind of a value or a trust or a safety in those signs of life for her. Seriously, we had this episode planned for like months, but the mm-hmm. recently, very recently, the We Can Do Hard Things podcast with Glennon Doyle, they they came out with one very similar. Um, it was good. It was a good one. Um, if people want to listen to it. It but... was about like, what does your stuff say about you? Yeah. About um, people who like to keep and people who like to discard. Yeah. And to, to me, I mean, I think the reason that I don't mind mentioning it is because I think it's just proof of how mm. so many other people like wonder about this, like us. Mm-hmm. And it affects the way that they think about the world and about themselves. And yes. then it's like a daily part of our lives, yeah, you know, yeah. for better or for worse. And, um, you know, I think we're always questioning, like, why am I this way? And this mm-hmm. is one of those things where it makes us 
question like it does. why do why am i always looking around for things to get rid of or yeah. i'm like i will be like oh my god where's that thing that i did like 5 years ago <laughs> i need to find it <laughs> and i will go on a rampage through my house trying really? to find that one thing oh and if gosh. i don't find it it makes me feel very jittery inside <laughs> really that's yeah so interesting you know you and i have read like lots of articles about this trying to just get our gears going for this episode and um there's so much literature and yeah, right. polls yeah. and surveys and and um people like either defending yeah. why they do what they do with yeah. their stuff and thinking about it from all angles whether it's spiritual or mm -hmm. connected to their sense of family or their sense of self mm -hmm. consumerism Mm -hmm. you know environmentalism like so much yeah you're right there there is does seem to be so much like literature on it um and I don't know I mean some of it dates back to like you know whatever but I I feel like a lot of this stuff I mean everything happened with the pandemic just like the angst that we have about stuff but I was also thinking like is this just I mean I only know it from our perspective but is this like a woman's problem or do like guys feel this too I don't know you know, I have to say for Andrew, um, he doesn't, he never is like, there is way too much stuff in this house, you mm -hmm. know, or he's like, this is too much. cluttered. I mean, sometimes he will say, I need to go through my clothes. Mm. Oh, he does. Like, there's That's a great. lot of clothes that I don't wear anymore mm -hmm. that I haven't worn in a really long time or like shoes. And so he's, he's gone through his own closet and his shoes before. Oh. Um, and I noticed when he did that, that there are some items that he's very sentimental about and he does not wear and he mm -hmm. knows he doesn't wear, but still wants to keep. Mm. And I mean, and I let him keep it and I don't know what we're going to do with it. I told him, I mean, maybe we can make it into like a quilt. You know, I've seen those things on, I, yeah. on Pinterest and stuff. Um, I mean, I don't know who's going to make it. I'm not going to make it. <laughs> All right. Before we go any farther, I want us to briefly talk about like our relationship with stuff. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure what the, what I would call myself, but I think I lean towards like utilitarian mm -hmm. um, or like functional, mm -hmm. functionalist or whatever. Um, but I yeah. did, I looked up those definitions too. And a lot of stuff, it says like, you know, you don't care about the aesthetics of it either. So it's not entirely true. Like I do like things being useful. I like everything mm -hmm. to have a place. I like it to be just right. But I do like, it has to be cozy and like, um, not like completely non-aesthetic. Yeah. Right. I would never describe your house as sterile or with no signs of life. Mm -hmm. um, simple and efficient. Those things matter to me too. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of it is just I would like agree. function. So Stan and I, we've moved a total of five times since the time we've been married. Um, so like three different apartments in Chicago, a condo here before mm -hmm. we moved into this house. But we've kept almost all the furniture and then maybe like added, you know, because this is the biggest place we've had. Mm -hmm. um, but every time I find like a place to put something that we have already owned, like when mm -hmm. I find like a corner, I'm like, oh, this goes like perfectly here. I feel so mm -hmm. like, oof, that feels good, you know? Mm. Um, is it like I a have, puzzle piece? Kind of. And I have had people, I had one person comment one time, I remember, 
uh, back in Chicago, when we moved maybe like the third time, she was like, she's like, how do you do it? Like, how do you manage to find like, um, have it just like fit like the things that you have? And I felt so, I was like, that's the best compliment. Like I've ever heard. (laughs) (laughs) So stupid. Because you value that and that's what you strive for. Yeah. And when she said it, I was like, I didn't realize it was um, a thing that I like liked hearing or was Mm. even thinking about. But once she said it, I was kind of like, I do like, I like that it all fits, Mm. you know? Um, And I felt very like accomplished almost. Wait, question. Do you want everything to have a function like right now and around right now, like, like, like within the next year? Or do you think to the next like five years? Oh yeah. Um, I guess I don't, I don't think very long-term, which is, I guess like, Mm. well, no, it's a little bit of both. Like I do want it to last, you know, but I think Mm -hmm. at this stage in our lives, um, we still buy like Ikea things, you know, it's not like we're buying like fancy, like restoration hardware kind of things. Um, no, no, I'm saying, I'm saying like, do you keep something, um, or get rid of it if you think that Sophie might use it in a couple of years. Oh, no, no. I don't think that way. Yeah. I don't okay. think about, um, but I think it does relate to this whole, like we buy Ikea things and I'm not thinking like these are meant to last. There's nothing that we own. That's really like, I'm like, this is worthwhile to hand down as like an heirloom. And so, yeah. So I don't, so I don't think about the kids that way. <laughs> I don't yeah. think about the generational. Yeah. I wasn't thinking about down. like the, um, the longevity of an item, like how long can this quality last? I was thinking mm-hmm. more about, you know, I think this is a hallmark difference between, or it's a, cl- it can be a classic difference between keepers and discarders. Mm-hmm. I think discarders will, if it's not being used right now and I haven't used it and mm-hmm. I, and I don't think I'll use it in the next like year mm-hmm. or even shorter, then I can get rid of it. And then later, if I need it, I'll get it. Or I'll, you know, I'll find an, another one yeah. versus keepers might be like, um, I'm going to go in and buy this just in case my kid needs to use this mm. four or five years down the road or oh. can wear this four or five years down the road. I'm curious if you've I done have, that before. Yes, I have absolutely made purchase. Let me tell you a classic example. Okay. Before Andrew and I got married, when we were engaged, I picked up. And we still have it. I picked up a little stool. It's a, It was made out of wood and it had uh, duckies on the side. I know what stool you're talking about. Yep. Yellow ducks. Bathroom. And uh-huh. then two. Yep. And then the two drawers that pull out of the steps. Oh, I didn't know there were drawers. I oh. bought that when we were engaged. Oh, my gosh. Before kids. Before kids, thinking that one day I would like to use this with our kids. This is without the knowledge. Like, we're not even married yet. And then we hadn't even tried to have a baby yet. Yeah. Wasn't pregnant. You know, it was nothing. It was years ahead. Um, Anyway, wait, hold on. Go back. So go back to what you were saying. I take issue with things that have no purpose. So you were asking... If I've ever gotten something like just thinking years down the road, I was actually trying to scramble through my brain to think, has there ever been a thing that I bought like that? I don't think so. I'm certain there was nothing uh, because if I, if I had it right now, it would take up a space in my brain mm-hmm. that I feel like has no purpose and mm-hmm. it would take up a space in the house and I'm like, there's no purpose for this. Yeah. Um, that's true like that, that certain, ducky yeah. stool didn't have a purpose for many years but I wouldn't say that I'm not sentimental um, but definitely on the spectrum of 
you know, like keeping and discarding, um, I, I'm very heavy on the, let, let's just get rid of it. I think over the mm-hmm. years, maybe I've gotten like incrementally more sentimental. I won't throw away their stuffies, like their animals. Mm-hmm. So Your we do kids have, like, have always loved stuffies though. They do. They do. Yeah. Because yeah. all um, of our stuffies are mm-hmm. stuffed in a gigantic plastic bin in the toy room mm-hmm. and they maybe play with them like once a month. That's so interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That they don't, they haven't really taken to them. I, my kids love their stuffies. They're very, the way Elliot's bed looks right now is, um, it isn't, it's so cluttered. It's, he makes a wall, like a rectangle around his bed of all his oh. stuffies and they have to touch, like all of them have to touch. I think he feels safe like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I tuck him in, I'm always like, this is ridiculous. Like I can't even get on your bed because there's so many and he has like full size so bed. Wait, so he's in the middle of this <laughs> rectangle? Stuffy wall, yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but um, but even still like that, it looks like really messy to me and it's mm-hmm. hard to make his bed. But that stuff, like I feel sentimental about so yeah, so like I don't, I'm not like completely a sentimental, but all of this, all of this just feels problematic to me, I guess in a way too. Um, where what feels, what feels problematic? The the way that I feel about this stuff, it uh-huh. feels problematic because oh. I know that it always comes up in a fury and a rage. Like like when oh. I start to feel overwhelmed, it comes up in a fury I and a see. rage. It's not just like it's a mm. response to something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I will, mm. I, I know I will like kind of hyper fix, fixate on it, like an mm-hmm. itch until mm-hmm. it's resolved. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So there, like big things have happened where like our basement, our, our downstairs level, I made it over. I like did it over, painted the walls, did everything. And I, I did it mm-hmm. really quickly, I guess, because mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. fixate on you it did. until I can, I can, you know, I feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, is it was it the act of painting that felt good or the act of like arranging the room or was it like you had a vision in your mind and you just wanted to like get to that you wanted that room to turn into that vision as quickly yeah, as possible I think it's those last two it was okay. um it was rearranging it so it felt like livable and breathable because it was a non-functioning space because it was a non-functioning space I was like I don't mm-hmm. like it um and then non-functioning I wanted, as in like y'all don't y'all, y'all didn't go there go down there that much we didn't mm-hmm. hang out down there and it's a great space like very bright um so I, I like wanted it to serve a purpose so then I just I had this vision of what I wanted to do and and then we made it happen really quickly um well in my from my mm-hmm. perspective it happened quickly and then now we use it you know do you feel like you use it more after you yes. recreated the space yes yeah um, I mean, for a while too, we had, we were like doing the podcast stuff down there, you know? Um, mm-hmm. yeah, overall though, um, I think the thing about all this for me is I don't like being overwhelmed with stuff. And I, I think that translates for me, it means like material things, but it also means like in my mind, like I don't like being overwhelmed with, um, remembering things. I don't like being overwhelmed with things lingering that need to get done. I don't, I don't know, like, I don't know when or where it happened where I felt like my capacity feels like kind of paltry. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I was able, I mean, you know, when you're in school, you have to like remember all these things at one time. Mm -hmm. And then now I feel like I'm always trying to like declutter my mind so that my list of things to do is like small. You know, I wonder 
much of this has to do with our life stage and the fact that we have really little kids still. I mean, Elliot's slowly, you know, he's turning into a tween, but because I think about how I've become uh, about my journey from like being an extreme keeper to somewhere in the middle, yeah, it, it, it does, it has coincided with um, the growth of our family mm. and the growth of noise around me and the steady growth of stuff around me. Mm-hmm. I think there's so much stuff and noise and clutter and stimuli around us with this stage of life mm-hmm. that we we do like strive for more clarity and mm-hmm. more just space to think and to hear things and you know just just to be able to like sit in a quiet clean space mm-hmm. it feels therapeutic from all of the overstimulation of having little kids i feel like ever since i've known you you mm-hmm you know, I feel like I would think of you more as like an artistic person, you know? So like the things around you are very unique, I feel like, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. like colorful, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You really would describe my house that way? I would. Yeah. (laughs) I think that that makes me feel so good. Just like (laughs) the way that you feel good that every, you know, when you heard that everything has a place in your house. Yeah. I love that. I felt insecure about the way that I preferred my home to be. Mm -hmm. Because I felt like it was all wrong. Like it, hmm. it, it shouldn't look this way or what people think is a cute home is, is not this, you know? So I felt really insecure about, um, having guests over and things like that, but that has completely, I've completely turned a new leaf with that. And hmm. I, now I feel like I'm able to love my space on the outside just as much as I do on the inside mm. in terms of um, just being confident about it or expressive about it or having no problem with anybody walking in because, and, and it came at, it, it came with like one moment where I had asked a neighbor to come over inside of my house to give me some tips mm-hmm. and pointers on like how to make it more, I don't know, chic, like whatever, what everybody else likes. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, she walked in and she stood in the middle of the room and she looked around and she said, there's so much color everywhere. Like, I don't know where to focus my eyes. And I was <laughs> Wait, like, did she mean that in a bad way? <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh no, she God. meant that in a bad way as in like things don't match yeah. and the colors don't, it's not like, a. it's not a, um, not monochromatic, but There's it's no, like, not the palette slate. is mm-hmm. not similar in the colors, mm-hmm. you know. But when she said that, interestingly, I felt affirmed and validated. <laughs> like, I love color. Yeah, that's great. That when you look around, you don't know where to put your eyes because <laughs> because I do want attention <laughs> given to each item. I want you to be able to walk through my house and and like look at each thing and appreciate it. Like each thing to be a little world. What would you and, call what you like? Mm-hmm. I guess. What would you call it? I would call what I like eclectic and colorful. And I think it's artsy in that it kind of reminds me of a gallery. And I I like that. Like, I don't, I don't want everything to match. Yeah. I remember mm-hmm. you showed me a picture when we were just like talking about this episode in, um, mm-hmm. it, I, there was a lot of patterns going on. I remember like yes. what your ideal or yes. like what you really I like. I love is different like, patterns. Pattern, patterns. Different textures. Yeah. 
Um, apparently there's a style called cluttercore. And I looked it up to see images and mm -hmm. all the images that showed up were glorified versions of my home and what mm -hmm. I want. Like uh -huh. if I had more money and more time and I could, you know, like paint the walls and like buy more pillows for like this new couch and all this, like it would look like that. I would want it to look like that. Okay. When I think about what I am, I am definitely a keeper. Mm-hmm. And a saver. I think of myself as a saver because I feel very um, resistant to waste. Mm. Like anytime anybody, any of my friends, y'all, like when you give me um, like a plate or something covered in aluminum foil, I will yeah. take that aluminum foil off, wipe it clean and make sure it's dry and yes. then fold it neatly and save it in a Ziploc in my drawer yes, in the this kitchen. Is not a lie. This is not a lie. So that when I make like <laughs> fish sticks or chicken nuggets or something for the kids, I open that up and I line the air fryer with that and Ziploc bags, unless they're extremely messy, like has like raw meat in it. Although I oh, have, yeah. I have washed no. out with soap, no Ziploc bags with raw meat in it before <laughs> no, too. Have I not. have. Oh my God. I, I have. But um, these days, just because of the crunch of time and busyness, I, I don't, I toss those I don't know why I am so um, against waste. Yeah. It's not an environment like, OK, I care about the environment, but mm -hmm. it's not like a I'm I'm not like a proud environmentalist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm also not like a bleeding heart about the earth. Like I, I do. I do mm -hmm. want to take care of the earth, but that's not my like sole focus and priority. I think I'm just inherently against waste because of the way that I was raised. And that's like what I saw. And I think it was kind of shocking as a child to see my grandparents or my parents like not waste a single grain of rice. Mm -hmm. Or if there was a rotten part of a fruit, they would just carve that part out and we would eat the rest. Mm -hmm. um, that, that stuff just left a, an impression on me, mm -hmm. I think, where I thought, okay, like there's there's no need to to waste if you don't have to. I mean, I've seen your aquaphor tubes, the cut in half aquaphor tubes. Oh, yeah. I cut my tubes in half. So there's definitely like a way that my family raised me. And then I thought about how mm -hmm. old my grandparents were when the Korean War broke out. And my grandpa was 16 and my grandma was 15. During and after the Korean War, Korea was extremely impoverished. So I mm. think these things were really ingrained in them. And so us, you know, living with them, we probably mm. lived with them on and off for like eight years. Yeah, that left a huge impression on mm -hmm. me. And I don't know. I'm just like it. I'm just like, why? Why throw it out if you can use it? it mm -hmm. I think there is a moral part of it where I think it's um, it's almost like it's unethical. It's unethical. And it's almost like bratty, spoiled mm -hmm. to just toss something so easily when you can get so much more use out of it. I can see how it came from your parents in that whole, like their, the mentality and your gr mm -hmm. grandparents of like saving, not wasting. And then you've told me about your parents and grandparents too before, mm -hmm. but I always find it interesting that you are then also like the kind of, you know, yeah. you've taken that also, you know, because yeah. you're not living in a war. Yes, yes. No, for sure. And so I've thought about this too. And I think I know what it is. Because I wonder about this. Like when I tell the kids, like, hey, don't throw away that half-eaten Z-bar, you mm -hmm. know? 
don't waste that. There are kids out there, you know, and like I know some people might roll their eyes and it almost might be triggering for them to hear this because we mm-hmm. heard this stuff growing up, right? Like mm-hmm. there are kids on the other side of the world who are starving and like who would die to eat this half of the zebra. And when I tell them that and they are looking at me, I do think in my head, I bet that they are confused like what that has to do with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? In the mm-hmm. same way, like what does my grandparents living through the war and my parents living through a, a post-war Korea have anything to do with me, right? Mm-hmm. But I think the meaning that it has for me and that what it's become for me is gratitude. It makes me more acutely grateful for what I have mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and not want to just get more just because I can. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the meaning that it has for me is I the waste part is to not waste makes me feel more grateful for what I've got. Okay. And um, be satisfied with what we have and, is, and not be greedy for more unnecessarily. Is that the biggest portion of it, though, is the waste? No. So so that's that's half of it. So okay. I'd say the that's a that's like 50 percent of why I keep and save things. Mm-hmm. The other reason is definitely sentimentality. And I came up with something last night and I was like, oh, like this is it. This is why I, mm-hmm. I am. This is the kind of sentimental sentimentality I feel about it. Okay. So those of you familiar with Harry Potter, what is a Horcrux? Isn't it like a time traveling thing? Like it's it's enchanted, like no. an enchanted object? Oh, it is an enchanted no. object. Okay, not yes. time traveling, but it- not time traveling. It is an en- enchanted object where like you can put part of your soul into that object. Oh my God, yeah. And so that object like lives on beyond you. But this Mm. is a part of like the darkest magic in Harry Potter, forbidden magic. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what what they do in in the story is um, you kill somebody, so you commit murder and it's such a grave sin that it tears your soul into pieces. And then you can put those pieces of your soul, embody them in different objects. Right, right, right. So that even after you're gone, you continue to live on through these objects. And I was thinking, obviously for me, it's not evil, but it's that same concept of the sentimental things that I keep in my house to me embody the essence of that person. You know, this this is why I have such a problem and I still don't know what I'm going to do with all my kids artwork, because I have heard of, you know, at Bible study, a girl told me this. And I think you've told me about this before, too, the service where you take pictures of all of the art mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you can discard of the artwork and then they'll make like a, a book for you of all the artwork. See, that doesn't work for me. And the reason that doesn't work for me is because I like feeling the art and the texture and like the paint, the layers of paint that they put on it, all of that embody like that age or that moment when they were creating the art. Mm -hmm. And it adds to the meaning that it has for me. Do you save all the art and do you go through it? I save all of it and I do go through it from time to time. Yes. That's kind of like how I go through, I go through like the letters that Andrew's Mm -hmm. written me or Mm -hmm. my parents have written me my journals. I also, I also flip through it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, I mean, it's an, my journals are an archive of like decades. Yeah. So I can relive, I can relive my teen years when I open it. Mm -hmm. And, um, even though there are the cringeworthy parts of it, those are all still valuable to me. Mm. I feel mm-hmm. like it still adds to 
it, 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 it gives me the affirmation that I was the same person then that I am now. Huh. And it also helps me in like continuing to become a better person. You know, recently my grandmother passed away and she was a pillar in my life. Mm-hmm. I, I have wondered in my grief and shock of what Korea even means to me now without her there. And I have several of her items and I've taken measures to try to preserve like her scent in it as mm-hmm. much as I can. And in my pocket right now, I have one of her handkerchiefs, but it smelled just like her. But I had cried in it so much during the trip that I was all snotty and I had to wash it. And now that I've washed it out, it doesn't smell like her anymore. Oh, no, no, it's just a cotton square. But the the fabric, though, is like this kind of like gauzy cotton fabric. Uh And it's still I mean, it's still like the texture of it and and stuff like this. Just the smell of this kind of cotton like reminds me of her. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I was thinking about like, why is this so important to me? I think that I think this is what it is. I don't want to be separated from the people that I love. And this experience of my first death in the family has made me realize how surreal it is that she, who was a living, breathing, critical part of who I am, is now somebody who I'm who I will close my eyes and try so hard to imagine and like materialize in my mind. So these items of hers that still like carry her scent or you know when I touch it I remember like how like parts of her come back to life for me Mm -hmm. it's almost like these items immortalize the different people in my life and I think it's because I do romanticize memories and I do like yearn like I'm very nostalgic I'm Mm -hmm. a very nostalgic person I like to feel the sense of time traveling really yeah. Okay. So this I like is, mm-hmm. uh, this is something else that I feel like I noticed about me and you too is that like you say you have a really bad memory and and I mm-hmm. like I believe you I believe that you know you, you think that but um I actually I feel like my memory is worse than yours but I think the thing is I don't care if, mm. if I remember or not. Yeah. Yeah. I will I will go back and read into my journals and stuff from when I was a teenager and stuff mm-hmm. to like try to go back mm-hmm. in my mind. Yeah. Because I I, I want to hold on to all of it. That it, that feeling makes me feel cringy. It makes me feel safe. What yeah, it makes, makes me feel, feel peaceful and safe that I know where I come from. And I know the path that I have walked. I know like every brick that is laid on the road that I am still walking on. That brings me comfort and and security. And, mm. and this is also linked to um, when we went to bury my grandmother, we went to our family graveyard. And in that family graveyard, um, my grandmother is, you know, towards the the end, like the bottom, let's call it. And next to her, my grandfather will be buried. But then as you walk up past hers, you are able to go back into each generation. So it goes all the way up to the 16th. So in that graveyard, there's from um, generation 16 to current now. But what I'm saying is like we have a family book or a family. And we also have these uh, scrolls that my grandpa wrote. And he's making mine right now. 
Um, I already had one, but he he said he wanted to make me a new one with the kids' oh names my in gosh. it. Gosh, uh-huh. um, that's but awesome. Yeah, I have it in upstairs. That was one of the things where I thought of it while I was sleeping or about to sleep. And I was like, I need to know where that is right now. Oh like, God, I, I know I it? have it. I uh-huh. found it. But um, yeah, that one goes all the way up to the first, the first guac in my, of my family, my clan. You know, I know that I know like knowing your lineage or having this family tree, like detailed out like that might not be valuable to everybody. But to me, it's that same feeling of I know where I come from mm-hmm. and it makes me feel very secure and it, it helps me to be who I am today. And I don't just mean this in a good way, right? Obviously, it's probably that lineage from 1189 to 2024. There were probably I mean, it's 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 all imperfect people just the same as us today. Right. So it's it's not like just pride. It also just, uh, I don't know, I I feel grounded in history in the same way that I feel when I look back at my journals and I'm reading something that I wrote when I was nine. You know, even when I read about the times, there are some journal entries in there that are painful to read. Like when I was starting to, you know, have panic attacks mm-hmm. and feel drawn to suicide because I was struggling so much and I, I see the the marks in there. Sometimes they were just marks. They look like knife marks made with a pen. Mm. Um, but looking at all that still, it's hard, but it helps me to know that I've been doing this mm-hmm. and I survived and I can continue to do that now. And it helps me to feel compassion for myself. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about like your cringy reaction. I was thinking about like why I can't even like think about the past. Like I'll throw away my journals. I don't want to dwell in it or whatever. Mm-hmm. But part but part of it I think is that I don't feel like I I became like a person. I don't feel like I became like cognizant until like the latter half of my life. I was even texting with my little sister today and, you know, thinking about this episode because I was thinking about like our, our childhood home, our upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I cannot remember where she slept. I can't remember what her room looked like. There was a t- period of time in my 20s, like 20 to 25, where I was home mm-hmm. still before I got, we, um, Sam and I got married and we moved. Um, but for a five-year span, like me and my little sister, we were home together and my oldest sister, we were home together. And I don't remember what they, where they slept. You know, I kind I do, mm. but I don't. Mm-hmm. Well, for Jesse, for my little sister, I was like, "Where were you? <laughs> Which room did you have?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so I felt like I wasn't cognizant and like aware and like, um, like awake up until like the latter half of my life, I guess. And so, what, I f- what do you think had you in a stupor kind of state that you're stupor, describing? Yeah, I mm-hmm. I would call it that. Um, the stupor, I feel like, is. I feel like I was trying to survive something and I think the the home space to me because I so I was also trying to think of our childhood at home because you know just thinking about like was I always this way or whatever you know people think of their childhood homes and you know some people are like oh it's like I hope my parents never sell the childhood home and blah blah I have no attachment to it mm. like it didn't feel like it was a place like a warm place that I wanted to be mm-hmm. I I had this feeling of um like I was always visiting and like it felt very temporary and the home mm. felt it was big 
It was um, it was clean, but they were and they didn't collect like a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was always like piles of stuff, you know. I remembered like the cluttered spots, you know, and the counter yeah. was always cluttered, and um, I just never knew what things were. Like it wasn't my home, you know. It wasn't oh. like my. It didn't feel like my childhood home. It was yeah. just like the home I was in. Yeah. Um, and like when they sold it, we were in Chicago already. I think Stan and I, I and then I think they sold it. I didn't come think like I'm not going to see my home for the last. Time. Like, but and we're still living mm. in Chicago. There was mm-hmm. not no feeling like that. But so the home maybe felt chaotic to me. But mm-hmm. the room that I had, the one that I remember, like mm-hmm. in my like when I came back from UGA from college, um, I mm-hmm. remember trying to make that room feel like home. From my perspective, I tried to make my room um, like somewhere I wanted to be, mm-hmm. but it was like barely that still, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I tried to make it like livable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, when you think about that house, d- did it leave, even if it wasn't positive, did it leave an impression on you? <clears throat> when I think about it now, it may, it, I just, I think of it, it's kind of like cold. It was a massive house. It was quiet. We were always in our own rooms mm-hmm. um, and like hardly in the the collective living space. Me and my family were always in the same room together. Like we mm-hmm. joke that we could have, a 4,000 square foot house and we'd be mm-hmm. in the bathroom together, you know? Yeah. Um. So to me, that feels like family. That feels like home. But mm-hmm. when I think back on like our family, my childhood home, I don't mm-hmm. remember. It was rare that we were like together, you know, mm-hmm. Um. in the years that I remember. But I just, don't, I don't have a good recollection of mm-hmm. the past. And so I, I guess to me, it doesn't feel like that. I don't know if it's that I don't want to, that it doesn't feel real because I don't remember it. But there is part of me, like, you know, we were talking about earlier, how like you really care to preserve the memories. And mm-hmm. for some reason, I just, I don't. It's not like um, I have a distaste for it. I just, mm-hmm. I think, it, I feel like it's futile, futile. Like, I don't remember it anyways. And it wasn't like the memories that bring me joy, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so I'm kind of just like, well, from here on, like from here on out, like I feel like I can remember and like make a home, you know, make a, mm-hmm. make the warm memories or whatever. And like, remember what I can remember, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't feel as like. Was that home your only home as um, a child? Like, were you, were you born and then grew up completely in that house? We've only had two, two houses. So, so there was the a one... house before that? Yeah. And I, that house, I I remember with more warmth for sure. Mm-hmm. And multiple families lived in that house too. It was like my cousins at some point, different like rotating people just like lived with us mm-hmm. from both sides of the family, like my mom's and my dad's. And I don't I don't remember that house like very explicitly, but that one at least elicits um like a warmer feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, or me and you, we talk about it a lot. Just like two things can be true. Mm-hmm. Um and there's like a lot of like there's like there is sentiment, but there's there it's not all it's not all bad stuff you know mm-hmm. I think about but it's just it come down to like I for some reason I don't I don't care like I don't care about the sentiment of it and and I guess I wonder why I don't care about the sentiment as much it's like I don't I, I want to care about it and I don't care mm-hmm. about it there is like um like a lack of a pride in it maybe mm-hmm. partially because a big part because I don't I feel like I wasn't like awake you know like I felt like there was like I was like a drone 
just like going through movements and like not um, sure of myself. And so I feel like everything that I did was out of this, whether it was insecurity or just like a, like not knowing. And I know Mm -hmm. like people in their youth, like that's how it is for a lot of people, but Mm -hmm. I feel like there was no intention you know, behind anything. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm like, well, then what's the point? Like, was that even living in a way to me that it feels like it wasn't even living? There's, there's that part of it, but there's also this, like, um, if, if things are out of sight, out of mind, and like, I'm not thinking about the past and like how it affects me, it almost creates this like frictionless affect where I can just like start from here on out. It's always like Mm -hmm. here on out for me, you know? But what, what about that past creates friction? Does it make you feel like you can't be any other way? Or you can't you can't be different or try something new because you're Maybe. bound to it. Maybe and Stan and I have talked about this too, where it's almost just like he's like, don't be embarrassed of your past. Like it, it is like what I was saying. Like it is who it's made us to be right now, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. there is this like um, there is like a sense of shame I think about stuff like that because for me. I don't feel like that's who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel like I knew who I was until mm-hmm. like more like recent years, mm-hmm. and so however I acted, not excusable, you know, whether it was like the way I was with guys or just like uh, I don't know how I treated my body, you know, how I was with like friendships and stuff, not excusable, but I it just like feels empty like devoid of thought and meaning and like who I was. And it it feels like the house that I grew up in where it was, it was Mm -hmm. so temporary and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I was a visitor. And then Mm -hmm. now I feel like I'm more rooted. It's interesting though, right? Like whether you cut off yourself from the past or not and throw everything out, you still lived that life and you're still the same person right now. And for me, even if I'd kept every single thing and had like a hoarder house, it doesn't change anything about me right now or how much I can remember or not remember. It's like coping. It's a coping mechanism. Our keeping and discarding is just a way that we, it's another way that we cope. Yes. You know, and I think people who have disorders where they keep too much and become hoarders to a pathological degree or people who discard too much like that one article we read about the the woman who like had a compulsive um, decluttering or whatever. Right. right. She was constantly throwing things out like to the point where she would throw things out and then buy the same exact thing again. I've done that. Um, Yeah. So it's like we would we're, we're the same regardless. But it just makes us feel more in control or it makes us feel more safe or more able to move on with today and tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I think that's why it always fascinates me because I think you're right. I feel like there is it's like how we cope with things. And that's why it it just makes me wonder a lot. Like, is this healthy that I do this, you know? Because yeah. um, like I said in the beginning, it nev- it doesn't feel great. And I feel like it is something that I something that I want to work on. I thought it was really interesting that you may noted this too, that um, like both of us, me and you, we have different kinds of attachments, I guess, too, mm-hmm. with um, our like family of origin, you know, mm-hmm. but and also... I guess at some point also with our like spouses and just like in general, but Mm -hmm. mine is avoidant. 
and yours was anxious. And I feel like it makes a lot of sense that avoidant was just like, like on my end, it was kind of just like discard, like out of sight, out of mind, Mm -hmm. no connection, no attachment, you know? Mm -hmm. So attachment theory wise, like I, Mm -hmm. I came when I take the, the quiz or the questionnaire, I come out as the, um, the, the one that's uh, irregular, like mm. sometimes avoidant, sometimes anxious, sometimes oh. I forget the name of it. Disorganized? But, yeah. Mm-hmm. Disorganized attachment. I think there is a relationship between uh, the way we approach our stuff mm-hmm. and our attachment to people or our family mm-hmm. of origin, because just like I was talking about how I see some of my sentimental objects as these good horcruxes, they're kind of like our adult loveys, like how children have little blankies and little stuffies and wubba nubs mm-hmm. um, to comfort them and remind them of their safe person's presence. It's like I have these loveys of my, you know, grandma or my mom or you know my brother or whatever i i tend to keep things out of the anxiety of being separated from them from the people that i care about oh hey i do want to ask you this the questions Mm -hmm. if you could only take two items out of your house Mm -hmm. two kinds of items let's say Mm -hmm. like if you want to take your mugs for instance you can take all your mugs right Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be like one single item what what would they be if you had to pick like two to three items and everything else just had to bloop disappear. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good question. Besides the Dyson, <laughs> <laughs> just looking at my Dyson in the corner. <laughs> the Dyson's on the fritz. I feel like, anyways. Um, I don't think I'm not just saying this. I really don't think there's anything. You know, we, uh, during Christmas time, like when people are like, oh, like, let's do the, the white elephant thing. Like, just pick something around your house that you can just like give, you know, do as a gift or whatever. Stan has always joked. He's like, there's nothing. There is nothing like frivolous. I mean, I have like frivolous things. They're like, uh-huh. uh, uh, you know, lamps and potted plants and blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. But um, there's nothing that's like, you know, you can re-gift this. <laughs> it's just like everything yeah. is like we're using it, you know? Yeah. Um, so... But it's just like a functional thing. So there's nothing that I would really take. I would take my journals and um, the letters and notes that family have written to me. Mm -hmm. And my phone because of the pictures and videos. Okay, Mm. here's another question. Yeah. What comes to mind for you when you think of heaven? Like like, what do you definitely want to have with you in heaven? Or like when you think about, you know, because people will imagine like what their heaven looks like. What's Mm -hmm. the first... Thing that comes to mind is this called a nuclear family like stan and my kids like i just want to be i want to be able to see them and i always feel like kind of conflicted about that and you know stan we talk about this like is that okay that i want to see you guys <laughs> you know um but yeah there's definitely why, it's why not, would it not be okay there's the belief that like you know your your love for god for Jesus is like, it just should not, nothing should surpass it. You know, I'm not, but I don't think, I mean, I'm coming to terms with this like more and more. I don't feel like it's not that my love for my family is like so great. It surpasses Jesus. But the Christian idea is that like you go up to heaven or like you're in heaven and you're like everything in this world is just like left or forgotten or like not, you know, like a Mm -hmm. thing, like nothing surpasses that, you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I guess because I'm still holding on to the, like my love for my family, that Bible talks about like, 
you know, you should want to like leave your family, blah, blah, blah. You know, we talked about it just a couple of Sundays ago or in uh, the Sunday sermon. Really? Uh-huh. Yeah. It's always been ingrained in me that it feels like a sin. I think um, if any anybody at the pulpit told me that I cannot love my family as much as I do, I would run out of there. It's Yeah, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, I know there's like nuance to it and stuff. It's not just like, you know, you cannot. But I, I feel like that has always been... This is a tangent, mm. but I feel like it's been weaponized in a way. Um, mm. And because it feels important to me because I'm like, I don't think that we talked about this before, me and you, like, mm-hmm. we don't know what like love really was, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like that mm-hmm. has been like formulated more so lately. And so I'm like, well, it just feels conflicting, I guess. But I, <laughs> my heaven would be seeing my family. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Mine's people. And the yeah. reason that this question came to mind in, with this topic was because I was thinking, um, well, yeah, when I think about heaven, I don't think about like anything else. Anything else would just be like secondary blessings. But really, if I'm just surrounded forever by the people that I love and I never, ever have to um, separate from them again, like that, that's it. Mm-hmm. And And I think the reason that I keep a lot of my sentimental stuff is because I'm trying to, I'm trying to like keep them with me mm-hmm. in this life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. everybody has to leave. So we have to be separated. So this mm-hmm. is at least a way that I can hold on to them in this life mm-hmm. is, is, is what I was thinking. If we have to use the terms minimalism and maximalism, if we have to, I would say philosophically, I'm a minimalist. I don't think that we really need that much mm-hmm. to be content and happy. Mm-hmm. Like I don't need a, a, a fancy car and um, my fancy engagement ring that I thought I needed when I was immature and 20 something mm-hmm. and like, you know, a huge house. And like, I don't need any of those things, luxury bags, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So philosophically, I'm like, I only need a very few things to be happy. Mm-hmm. But um, I think sentimentally and with stuff wise, um, because I feel a connection and and aliveness with uh, my memories and the people that matter to me, mm-hmm. I am, I mm-hmm. am kind of a maximalist. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I see what you're way. saying. Yeah, yeah. And from the time that I've known you, I, I do feel like there's been like this sh- uh, shift, or just like the the flow has been yeah. becoming different too. You know. Um, yeah, and-, and like we talked about in the beginning, there's with kids, there's so much. Um, more uncontrollable stuff <laughs> yes. that comes into the yeah. house every single fucking day. Like yes, yes. how many papers can you fit into your folder every single yes, day? Yeah. It's definitely changed the part two, oh part two come God. in later. <laughs> I know like that, like this onslaught avalanche of stuff that spills mm-hmm. into your home with the yes. children that has forced my hand and like actually made me crave being minimal more. Like, that- well, I think that's funny because it's it's made me the opposite. So like whatever incrementally is happening, it, I feel like the opposite is happening with oh, me like with the kids. More? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's something to it for me too with just like showing my mess, like showing the mess from the past and just like being like, mm, it is what it is. You know, showing the mess here. Part of it is like, I don't want to have anything to hide, you know, but then, mm-hmm. but then I'm like, if I do... It's okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'll, it'll show eventually. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I think there's just mm-hmm. like something about that too for me. Yes. Yes. Um, so just like not pretending. I think this, that's why it feels important to me because I feel like something about this for me resonates with like showing up as mm. me, like in yeah. and everything. Yeah. Well, all right. On that note, I'm going to shove aside all my stuff right now and go get Daisy. <laughs> <laughs>
Got a lot of stuff on okay, the table. I'm gonna clean up. I'm gonna clean up right now. <laughs> yeah. Cheers. Bye. Cheers. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you.